Continue your faithfulness into the new year, 2021. Promises to be a year of opportunity for us. And we believe God is greater. It doesn't matter. You fill in the blank. God is greater, isn't He? Come on. Whatever we may face, God is greater. Whether you're concerned about health or wealth or you're concerned about relationships, God is greater. God is greater. We're going to claim that promise through 2021. And we're going to worship and glorify the Son of God all during 2021. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness in attendance. Thank, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. All bills are paid. All missionaries are paid to debt date. And we are going to be receiving an offering at the end of the service tonight. Thank you to those of you who are viewing uh, this live stream broadcast. And thank you for your faithfulness in participating and giving and supporting the work of God. It's really helped us uh, thus far and continues to be a blessing to us. And tonight we would ask special prayer. There are those for whom we've been praying. Uh, I just uh, learned of little two-year-old Christopher Kramer, who has a rare cancer. He's been uh, placed in hospice. The doctors, the human doctors, have given up on little Christopher. But uh, he comes from a Christian home and uh, got Christians around him uh, showing love and care and concern. And I do not know. I cannot tell you why. I cannot tell you what. I cannot give you the details. That's in God's hands. But I know that God does all things well. And I know that God is a good God. And we do not blame Him for those circumstances in life. God's got a larger, a larger um, program and plan than we know anything about. But we can commit and commend Christopher to the care of the dear Lord Jesus, who is the great physician. It is possible that there will be a miracle. We're going to pray to that end. That's the way we pray until the Holy Spirit changes our prayer. We'll pray for a healing for Christopher. We'll pray for comfort for the family and for God's grace regardless of the outcome. And sometimes, sometimes as we well know, uh, this has a way of honing us. And when these little ones go home to be with the Lord, they're in the arms of Jesus. I think <laughs> the old gospel song is very good that that God's got a great big rocking chair up there and, and uh, loving arms. And someday, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa are going to see that little one, but he'll be grown. He'll be, he'll be completely mature and right and perfect. No sickness, no more sorrow, no more death. Aren't you glad? What a wonderful, wonderful truth for people who really believe. This morning I spoke to a man. We are talking about different things and we were discussing the subject of those that have passed over. My mother has now joined my father. First Christmas, they're together in heaven. And I said, I believe that from the very depths of my soul. I believe in heaven. Heaven is real. I don't, there's not 1% of this old flawed fiber that doubts the reality of heaven. There is a God. He's the God of the Bible. There is a Savior. He is the Jesus Christ of the Bible. There is a heaven. It is the heaven described in the Bible. And thank God I'm going there. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. In fact, let's take a moment right now. Would you join me in special prayer for Christopher? Father, we pray for young Christopher. He's been a joy to those that have known him. We don't know how much longer he's got on this earth, but he's got eternity with you, Lord. And I pray that you'll give comfort and sweet peace 
And uh, Lord, if you're going to take him, take him gently. Otherwise, in Jesus' name, we pray for a miracle. And you can heal him either here or heal him on the other side, Lord. But I pray your will to be done and do it perfectly. And may God's people uh, be glorifying you through it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Yes, thank you so much. All right, we've sung tonight about the little town of Bethlehem. We've sung Silent Night, or uh, as I gave it to you, my very poor uh, rendition in Norwegian. Uh, I still believe that we Norwegians are an oppressed minority, and uh, there must be some kind of reparations out there. Maybe it's from the Swedes, I don't know, but um, we're, uh, we're going to all... Kidding aside, we're going to be enjoying this Christmas season. This is Christmas number 19 or perhaps more because we're in our 19th year. So it must be Christmas number 19 for us here and 50-some for us, over 50 for us as a, as a couple and family. And we're praising God. Every Christmas is wonderful. It is the best time of the year for us. We love it and enjoy it. When Franz Gruber and Joseph Moore collaborated on Silent Night, Holy Night, it, uh, it brings up many, many thoughts. I think, for example, why is it that Jesus was born in a stable and not in a palace? And the answer is this. Any earthly palace would have been unworthy of Jesus. And so he was born in a stable, not for his benefit, but for ours. So that we can understand that he came down to our level and met and meets the need of every person who will come to him in faith. I don't know what you've got going on in your life right now, and you may not even know what disease is raging or will be in your body in the future. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that that baby that was born and placed in that manger, in that stable, is the Lord of Lords, and He is sufficient. He is capable of meeting every need that you have in your body, in your health, in your mind, in your emotions, in your relationships, in your finances. He came down to our level. And He came down to our level because He chose to. He came down to our level. That silent night was as silent as it was because it was picturesque of our Savior who was willing to leave everything to come to our nothing place and be everything we could ever need, everything I could ever ask for, everything I could ever want. Jesus Christ came to be. There's nothing that you could ever ask of Him in the will of God that could not be granted. There's no blessing that will ever be restrained and kept from you if it's in God's perfect will for you. He does all things well. On that calm and bright night, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep 
in heavenly peace. We get a picture of that with Bethlehem. And it says of Bethlehem, back in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, and that is to identify Bethlehem from the other Bethlehem, so you know which one. I mean, this is just a little cow town, just a little small little place. But thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. The, the word for everlasting in the Old Testament is one of the attributes of God Himself. And so identified here with God Himself is this child. It's from everlasting. And it's a descriptive term. The, the word everlasting is picturesque in that it comes from that which fades into the mist. That direction, that direction. We're living in this parenthesis that's suspended between two eternities. It's called time. How much did God love us? Why, He created us in time and in space. And yet, on either end, it just disappears into the mist. Disappears into the mist. God who had no beginning and has no ending. God the Son came down and was born as a baby on that silent, calm night. Think about it. That's how much He loves us. That's how much He loves this old world. With all of its failures and shortcomings, God still loves this world. So loves this world. Loves the people. Loves the soul's of mankind. And he came down to a place that was so obscure that the wise men, when they came looking sometime later, they went to Jerusalem because they had no idea until somebody pointed out, well, in the book of Micah, it says that Bethlehem is the place. And they came to find the baby that was born to be king of kings, the ruler that's spoken of there in Micah 5. Too. Sleepy little town, backwater town, sleepy little place. You know what that proves? God is in the small places and in the details. God is in the insignificant events and the people whose lives they think by their own assessment don't mean a thing to anybody else, but it means something to God. What you feel, what you think, who you are, and your thinking may be zero or next to zero, but you're somebody to God. You're important to Him. And you're in His plan. I'm in His plan. Think about that. I was just a little kid. I was the, the third of three children. Spoiled, rotten. Spoiled, rotten. Now, she's got pictures of me. And um, I was a cute kid, but what happened? And along the way, spoiled, just spoiled, my, my mom was given a stupid book, Dr. Spock. If you've got Dr. Spock's book, there's going to be a, a, an Olympic competition to see how far you can flip that thing into the trash or into the, into the fire bin or whatever. But Dr. Spock, who didn't know anything and back in the 60s led a bunch of rioters and caused havoc, 
wrote a book and my mom read it. And she was raised in a Christian home and she, she knew how she was raised. Well, she had strict upbringing. But she raised me so that, you know, if, if little Bradley did not want to eat it, she didn't force me to eat it. And so if I didn't want potatoes, I spat them out. If I didn't want gravy, I spat it out. She didn't make me eat it. Now, fast forward another generation. That's not the way we raised our kids. They spat it out. They, if it could go back in, it was going back in. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Amen. But not, not me. I spoiled. But for about eight years, it went along like that. I got what I wanted. I was spoiled, rotten. I was rotten. Just rotten. Then my big brother, who was eight years older, got his first car and started collecting tickets and outran the cops, I don't know how many times, got himself in trouble. And some of the church leaders had a meeting with my dad. And I remember when dad came in and talked to my older brother and told him how things were going to change around there. And I was just, I was lying on my bed taking it easy, spoiled kid, just as rotten as can be. And he opened up the door and he says, and the same goes for you too. Things are going to change around here. I had no clue what he was talking about. But things changed. And all of a sudden, things were run orderly and properly. So there you have it. Sleepy little town. Sleepy little place called Bethlehem. Insignificant people that otherwise might not have been thought of were witnesses to the birth, the coming of this Savior, Jesus Christ. Because God chooses those that are not thought to be anybody or of any importance. God chooses the least and the last and the lost. And that sure describes me. How about you? Least, last, and lost. And God isn't through. God isn't finished. If you're breathing, listen to me. If you've got a pulse and you're breathing, God knows about you and God cares about you. And God's got something good for you. He really has. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that He takes those people, the foolish things of this world, He transforms, makes them over, uses them for His glory. He turns it His way and praise God for that. That's what Jesus being born in this nondescript, out-of-the-way place with these people that perhaps nobody else thought about all around. And then the angels came and broke the silence. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Next Sunday night I'm preaching on this uh, business of Jesus coming. Again, we're not date setters, but I do know this. Just as it was written 100 years ago, and 50 years ago, and 25 years ago, and even a few years ago, there is an invisible uh, cartel of elitists in this world who want you to think that everything just goes along and happens accidentally. But they are in the control of the map master puppeteer, and his name is Satan. And from many different places and in many different ways, affecting our political life, our social life, uh, manipulating manipulating. Uh, what comes through education, what comes through television, what comes through all of the different resources. And I never, like, like Dr. Jeremiah said, I never thought I'd see it this way. But the way it is now is in the process 
of becoming the thing that it's going to be until Jesus comes back and raptures us out of this place and then this whole place is turned over to the Antichrist. I would not want to be left behind. I'm glad I won't be left behind. But we're on the way to that right now. And you say, well, is Jesus coming soon? I, I can say when He comes, He comes suddenly. I don't know how soon that's going to be. I know that as it was in the days of Noah, for a century it was pretty, pretty wild and woolly, and then the flood came, and that was it. And There's going to be an answer. God's answer is coming. What you're seeing right now requires one response by us. That is, watch. Keep your eyes on the sky. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. Through yielding to Him, be faithful to Him no matter what goes down, no matter what happens. God's still got it all under control, even though it appears to be otherwise. God's got a plan. God's got a program. Just like that sleepy little town of Bethlehem. Why, everything was just smooth. Everything just seemed quiet. And when things are quiet, people are tempted to forget that God is still at work. God is still at work. The, the machinery of God, now this is not the exact quote, but the gears, the machinery, the wheels of God, they turn very slowly. And the result is very fine. That's the way God is working. We just need to be patient. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to be faithful. Be faithful, weary pilgrim. Be faithful. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That sleepy little town of Bethlehem reminds me of that. And that God uses ordinary people just like us. Why a silent night? Let me share with you what I'm thinking tonight. Number one, chronologically, it could represent the calm before God's great intervention. That's it. A silent night preceded the glory to God in the highest. The whole heavens lit up, according to Luke chapter 2. Think about that. Now there is absolutely no comparison between what appears to be what is the apparent calm and God's intervention. God's intervention sometimes may be so dramatic that people have to take a pill. Say, oh, my poor heart, I don't know if I can handle this. And, uh, and that, that's true because we are, here's the way we're wired, five senses. Who can name the five senses? Come on, name them. What? Hearing. Sight. What? Speaking. What? Smell. Taste. Touch. Yes. All right. There are five senses. We live in a five-sense world. And when all is calm, this created being tends to say, I kind of like it that way. I think I'll kick back. I think I'll, I'll have a, what's that, lemonade? Everybody likes? What's that lemonade everybody likes? Some people like raspberry lemonade, right? Some people like fruit in their lemonade. Some people like tea and lemonade together, right? Okay. So I just get my cold drink and just kind of kick back because all is calm. All is bright. 
Don't rule out God. God's about to do something. And when He does it, it will be His intervention, and it will be dramatic. And it will be so dramatic, it will do this. I'm telling you right now. Here's the way God does things. He will upset our five sense settledness. When we are settled into those five senses, He will upset that. Because that's the way God is. I know how we are. I also know how God is. So why a silent night? Chronologically, the calm before the heavenly event. Not the storm, the heavenly event. Storm's coming on the other side for folks that are left behind. Number two, spiritually, that calm, because God is a God of grace and mercy. And He is what? Long-suffering. He was long-suffering with me. He was long-suffering with you. He is also long-suffering with the folks, I talked about some of them this morning, that we don't particularly like, that we don't get along with. Guess what? For God to be long-suffering with us, He's also long-suffering with them. But now, everybody doesn't have the same amount of time. Everybody's not on the same plan or the same schedule. But God, as His nature is defined, is long-suffering. So there may be during this period, this lull, this quiet, there may be folks going on in their sin thinking, hey, nothing's happened. I mean, it's just like it was since the world began before the flood came. And sinful and lost and hopeless and condemned without God, planning on one more minute, one more hour or day of God's long-suffering. But we don't want to presume on the goodness of God. For that reason, those of us that are in the know on this, we need to be trying to win them and telling them, you don't have one second beyond this second. You have no guarantee. God is good and He has been long-suffering, but that does not give you a, an extended warranty. You have to, today is the day of salvation. Now, right now, this second is the accepted time. People going on with business as usual. What a surprise when the saints are gone. I would kind of like it to be, but I can't dictate that. I would kind of like it to be on a day when everybody's sitting in church. And then there'll be that bang, and there'll be Bibles strewn about, and people gone. Garments left behind because we're going to get a heavenly garment. But people gone and some people left. I would imagine in most cases there will be some false professors left behind. Whew. I've read scores and scores, Tyler, scores and scores of books on prophecy. If there's anybody who's ever been through it in prophecy, it's this preacher. <laughs> I mean, I got friends of all stripes, and I've been through all these books, all these commentaries, all of these, all of these treatises on different aspects of prophecy. But there are enough writers who have said, folks that have it good on this side that don't take God's offer and who are phony, left behind, will have to deal 
with the Antichrist and all of the terrible things. I would not want to be included among them. People are on their way to hell. And without that transformation that takes place when people receive Christ as Savior, they're going to go on to hell and they're going to burn there forever and ever and ever. Sometimes they're unaware of it until it's too late. You've probably seen some of the murals. We displayed one of them at the fair, in our fair ministry. And uh, it's, there are people going in great numbers over the cliff into the abyss. And of course there is there's the cross that you can get across, like a bridge, get across the abyss. And it's symbolic. The only way to escape hell is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what the cross represents. But there are people that are just on their way and they're just kind of, you have a huge crowd and there, there are hundreds and hundreds of them abreast and, and they're just walking and they're talking and they're, they're, whatever they talked about yesterday, they're talking about today. Whatever they discussed last week, they're discussing and they're going about their lives and their business and they're coming and they don't realize they're coming up to the edge and gone. Once again, I realize that's symbolic, but it's very graphic. And that's where my neighbors and acquaintances will go if I don't win them to Jesus Christ. Number three, why a silent night? When God intervenes, it's a radical awakening and transformation. A radical awakening and transformation. So we have the angel appearing. And it says, he says, Fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Have you ever wondered why it is that before a person gets saved, they think that getting saved would be tantamount to eating something bad every meal, every day for the rest of their lives. Have you ever wondered about that? There are people who think that being a Christian, being saved, is just about the most terrible thing that could ever happen to you. But it's kind of, in their mind, they say, well, I would have to be willing to go through this awful experience of being a Christian in order to go to heaven. And I'm just not willing to make that choice at this point, not realizing they may not have another choice. That may be it. Being saved isn't that bad. Would you say amen? amen. Being saved, being saved, not bad at all. I mean, think about what you lost. Man, I lost guilt. Just losing the guilt. I have, I have no guilt. The only guilt I have is that, that uh, Satan is able to fool me into the, in the flesh into accepting, into buying into. But I have no guilt. Guilt is gone. That, that, that old uh, uh, has passed away. Behold, all has become new. So when God intervenes, there's a radical awakening and a transformation in the news is good news. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. That means anybody, any man, woman, or child who comes to God through Christ is going to be on the receiving end of everything that's, it's all good. It's all good. We're going to have our trials and tribulations. There's going to be difficulties. And when people don't want to yield every area of their life, they're going to have a rough go of it. They're going to be some potholes in the road, and there are going to be people, all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. There will be people who don't understand, and they'll be disappointed in us, and they'll say, you know, I'm just so disappointed that you became a Christian. And you can stop for a moment and say, I can see that you're disappointed, but you know what? I am not. 
You're the only one standing here that's disappointed right now. I'm not disappointed. You can be disappointed if you want to be, but that's your choice. My choice was to take Jesus Christ as my Savior, and guess what? Good news, good tidings, great joy. I've got great joy. Don't let the world, the flesh, and the devil talk you into mimicking this, this, um, this false impression that people have about getting saved. Oh, it's just so, I'm just so disappointed that you got saved. You had such a promising career. You could have been somebody. I am somebody to Jesus. And in a million years, who else is going to count? I am somebody. I am important to Jesus. I'm important enough that he would die on the cross and suffer as he did. I am somebody. That's how much he loved me. Now, I don't think of myself that way, but what's important is he thought of me that way. That is good news. Jesus came into this world to die. The angel was announcing good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And it wasn't just about, you know, eight pounds of baby in that manger. Excuse me for saying that. The babe in the manger couldn't save anybody in that state. He had to grow up and go to the cross and be buried and rise from the dead. He's alive forevermore. That's what happened. And that's what the angel was talking about. When you get a flash from God, like was being delivered there, you know, that light up the sky fireworks display of the angels. When you get one of those, it doesn't mean that this moment, right now, every aspect of it is going to come to pass. But in God's plan, in God's timing, it's going to come to pass. And I don't know when in my lifetime, if it's going to be now or 30 years from now, do the math, or 40 years from now, however long I'm allowed to be here, the rapture doesn't take place, still going to be going strong. I know that God is still going to be doing in my life His will as I yield. If I don't get in the way, if I don't mess up by, by being hesitant or by being stubborn, He's going to keep on blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing because there's no blessing shortage in glory. God's got all the blessings, and we're going to be on the receiving end if we don't get stubborn with God. Don't ever say no to God. Say yes to God. Say yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. And so Jesus Christ was born in that quiet, that sleepy little town. And the angelic announcement was that radical awakening and a transformation followed. Number four... This should, as we see the, the, the uh, pattern here, this should result in our decision to action. God has constructed us so that if we don't get up, it doesn't get done. Guess what the angel said? Go to Bethlehem. That's what he's saying in the next few verses. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They weren't going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes out there with the sheep. They had to get up from where they are. They had to leave where they were. They had to use their own uh, motivation. They had to move. It was directed motion. It was a decision uh, for action. And it was to take them to a destination. And the destination is the interaction with a person. This is a divine person, a baby but a divine person. And just like 
It says in this bulletin, I made reference a couple weeks ago. I forgot which bulletin we put it in. But Stephen Hill, he went to heaven way too soon for my, for my understanding. He was a young man in his 40s. But he got a little song. You can, you can go on YouTube or on one of the Gaithers, one of the Christmas albums, and you can hear him sing. He had that sweet voice. Now, he could, he could be, he could sound husky too, but he had a sweet voice. One, two, three, four, five little fingers on his hand. Son of God, Mary's little man, born in a manger, gentle as a lamb. My heart's in the five little fingers of his hand. Whoo! Powerful. When you think about what Jesus Christ did, how he came to earth, what he became for us, God did all of that for you and for me. And how different it would have been if Jesus Christ, because he's God, would have just come to earth from space like some kind of spaceman. If he'd just come the conqueror, never been born, never paid the debt, just came to earth and conquered mankind by force, but that wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't for him to come the first time as the conqueror. Oh, he's coming back as the conqueror. Plan was for him to come as that little bundle, that little baby. Who can doubt a God with a plan like that, who bypasses our five senses, who awakens us out of our lethargy and comes down to us as a baby? Twelve years of age, he's standing in the temple confounding the doctors. They can't believe it. Mom and stepdad come back looking for him. Don't you know we were troubled about you? I mean, a couple days down the road, they have to turn around and come back. And he's there just confounding the doctors. And he says, don't you know that I need to be about my father's business? Would to God that every 12-year-old and every one of us would be about our father's business. It's more important than... Had a good lunch, sweetie. That was a great, great meal and fellowship that we enjoyed. But that meal is nothing compared to being about my father's business. Now, you can combine the two, but the most important thing is being about the father's business. So while we were enjoying good fellowship and good food, we had a chance to be a witness to people, had a chance to share tracks and talk to people. And that's important, being about the father's business. Going to work tomorrow is very important, but be about the father's business. Um, making your plans for the Christmas, uh, the holiday season uh, is important, but be about the Father's business. Don't leave Jesus out. Don't make Jesus an asterisk or an afterthought. Jesus needs to be at the center of all of it. And so while you're cooking, preparing, while you're, while you're organizing, cleaning, getting ready for the holidays, getting ready to travel, if you're going to travel, whatever it is, be about your Father's business. What does Jesus teach us? He comes to earth as a baby. He grows up and as a 12-year-old, He's putting everybody in their proper perspective. I need to be about my father's business. And the next time he appears, his cousin John says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He knew why he was here. No question about it. Came to die. Came to take our place. But before he could do that, 
he needed to get a, a, a ragtag bunch, 11 Galileans and one Judean that would end up selling them out and training them for three years plus. And when he got ready to go and he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And they get upset. What? What? You're leaving us? What? What? What did Peter say just a little bit before that? Be it far from thee, Lord. Be it far from thee, Lord. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things of the Spirit, but of the flesh. He knew what he was here to do. Behold the Lamb of God. He was here to be the sacrificial Lamb. And he always knew that. I, I can't even tell you what was going on in that infant mind of the Son of God. I don't know how much that little baby knew. But I know by 12 years of age, he knew about his father's business. And by about 30 years of age, he knew he was the Lamb. That's why he was here. Silent night. So calm. Holy night. God's about to do something. God is working behind the scenes, but He's about to do something that's going to shake everybody up. He's going to shake up our five cents world. And what do we need to do? We need to say yes to Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. In just a moment, we'll extend the invitation. You come from where you are. If God spoke to you and you'd like to step out, just come on down. Find a place to pray. If there's someone for whom you're praying or some situation about which you're praying, and you come on or pray right where you are. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, just as the offer is being extended to folks to receive Christ, even online right now, let's do that. If you've never received Christ, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone. And guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, Star, the hope of light, guiding the pilgrim through.
Ghost are the hope of rest for the redeemed, the good and blessed. Yonder in glory when the crown is won, is won. For Jesus is now the star divine, brighter and brighter He will shine. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on, shine on. Oh, beautiful star, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon. Give us 